Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So welcome to Insight LA, Long Beach, and the Sunday Sit. And I am Casey, an instructor for Insight LA. I like to say a student that happens to be teaching, or even better, sharing. So we're going to share a little bit today. So yesterday, uh, I had the opportunity to to sit with His Holiness, uh, the Dalai Lama, was in uh, Westminster yesterday. He's there today too, this morning. Um, but I have to say it was bittersweet because I wanted everyone there <laughs> and I was ha- happy to get a ticket last minute uh, I was able to go um, but I was thinking of all of you and praying for our Sangha um, and for Inside LA and all the work that Inside LA is doing and, and um, so in my heart I took everyone with me but I really wanted everyone there physically <laughs> Um, it was so precious. How, how many of you have sat with His Holiness before? Yeah. It's just so beautiful. Uh, I almost like it better when there's no translation. There wasn't an English translation outside. If you wanted to go inside, <clears throat> it was very pleasant. It was air-conditioned, and there was English translation. But, uh, but just His emanation is just so beautiful. You know, the Buddha field that surrounds him is just so gorgeous. It was very nice to sit into that. And then, so being that he's a incarnation, an emanation of Avalokiteshvara, of Kuan Yin, Chenrezig, depending on what label, I was thinking today of going over the 37 Bodhisattva practices. And this is a text, a Tibetan Buddhist text that we have looked at before. And it's just gorgeous. It's really beautiful, especially in the sense that it outlines the entire path. Um, it's very, they say it's like a summary of uh, the Bodhisattva's way of life, um, which is a, a beautiful text by Shanti Deva. And uh, this is like the pith instructions. You know, the pith instructions, if you're not familiar with the term pith, just means essence teaching. So if you get pith instructions, you're getting just the essence. This is very short, succinct. Uh, they usually use this in some of the Dzogchen teachings when they give pointing out instructions of your true nature, just very pith, very ultimate truth-like. And so I want to test out something a little bit different today. <clears throat> As our human brains only retain 7 to 10% of what we hear the first time, <laughs> um, we can do talks and commentaries and, and whatnot, but to really grasp things, sometimes it takes some interactive something. So I thought we'd try a little something different. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and start by handing out the text itself. Now, this is my favorite translation of the text. So maybe I'll just have a stack here, passing that around. A stack here. And 
Thogme Zongpo, the author of the text, he was a 14th century Lama, and he too was an incarnation of the Bodhisattva of Compassion. And they knew from early on that he was very, very special. One of my favorite stories of him in his childhood was he was just a small child, and he went outside to play. And when he came back in, he was naked. And his mom said, what are you doing? It's, it's freezing outside. You have no clothes on. And he said, well, I met a friend outside who had nothing. And so I gave my clothes away. And so she went outside and she saw that this plant was like frostbitten. And he had draped his clothes over a plant to keep it warm. Super sweet. And he's got many, many stories of him and his infinite kindness. It's really beautiful. So I thought what we would do is actually break up into groups right away. We usually we end that, that we leave that towards towards the end, just doing a little experiment here. So maybe of groups of three and four. And um, after just organically you could turn in a moment and and then I'm going to actually go to each group. You can introduce yourselves. And I'm going to go to each group and give you a set of verses. So there's 37 verses. I'm going to give you each group a set of verses to read through yourselves. And just talk about them. Like, what, what do you think they, they mean? How do they touch you? Um, just reflecting on it for a few minutes together. And then you could... Uh, agree on a spokesperson to read your verses when we open up to the big group. There's going to be a person that's going to read the verses out loud to the group and maybe give a synopsis, a little bit of summary on what came up for you guys. And then maybe I'll add something to it um, or not. So we kind of get an interactive feel and taste of the verses uh, themselves. So this is, um, there's a lot to this text, and we're going to, this is just um, round one. We're going to be looking into this deeper um, the next Sunday sit uh, that, I, that I'm sharing, uh, maybe the one after that as well. So it's okay just to, this is just round one, taking it, taking it in. And so as we go along uh, around the room, I want all the verses at least to be read. So we're just only going to spend a few minutes for each group. Like literally, I'm going to set a timer. It's going to be three minutes. <laughs> so let's, we're just going to read them, read them through. And then I want to unpack, un, unpack a couple of the important ones because some of them seem a little harsh. Some of them, and you'll know if you're reading them, you'll be like, wow, look at that one. Um, so, uh, so let's start with, with um, the first group. And the first thing to do is just read your verses and then um, give a, a, little, a little summary. And um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. At a time when the difficult to regain ship of leisure and fortune has been obtained, ceasingly hearing, pondering, and meditating day and night in order to liberate others and oneself from the ocean of cyclic existence is a bodhisattva's practice. 
At the, oh, the mind of attachment to loved ones wavers like water. The mind of hatred of enemies burns like fire. The mind of ignorance that forgets what to adopt and what to discard is greatly obscured. Abandoning one's fatherland is the Bodhisattva's practice. When harmful places are abandoned, disturbing emotions gradually diminish. Being without distraction, virtuous endeavors naturally increase. Being clear-minded certainly in the Dharma rises. Restoring secluded places is the Bodhisattva's practice. Or I can go. <laughs> that one I do want to unpack a little bit. So, um, so the, the part one of the teaching, the first sevens actually, is about is getting us prepared, prepared for the journey, right? And so it seems a bit harsh about leaving all your friends and your loved ones and heading off into a solitary place. This is really looking at the inner attachments, the three poisons of attachment, aversion, and, and ignorance. And when we're trying to gain social status in our community, the places that we live, we have made friends, we've made enemies, so we've had all this attachment and aversion in a very physical way. So it's saying we must remove ourselves from that. We could remove ourselves from that inwardly. We could remove ourselves from that outwardly. We can go on. This is the meaning why we go on retreat, right? So just don't disturb me. Let me work on my tools so that I can bring them back out into my life. And I actually, I could, I could be in life, but in a much more peaceful way, full of equanimity, right? So it seems a bit harsh, uh, yet this is, this is the reasoning behind it. I'm seeing what happened to my alarm. Oh, okay, we're still going. Um, yeah, so this is, this is the, the, the prep, preparation part. So moving on from there, is there anything succinctly? We have a few more seconds left um, that you want to add. Well, I mean, that's it. You're just you're preparing yourself to uh, to find the inner strength and peace to put yourself out there to do the right thing. Uh, Great. That's basically. <laughs> it's like the Grammys or something, right? And you're cut off. It was beautiful, but you're out. You know. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, so group two, you have the actual second set of um, the preparation verses. So, speak up a little bit. Wow. Long associated companions will part from each other. Wealth and possessions obtained with effort will be left behind. Consciousness, the guest, will cast aside the guest house of the body. Letting go of this life is the Bodhisattva's practice. When evil companions are associated with, the three poisons increase. The activities of listening, pondering, and meditation decline, and love and compassion are extinguished. Abandoning evil companions is the Bodhisattva's way. When sublime spiritual friends are relied upon, one's faults are exhausted and one's qualities increase like the waxing moon. Cherishing sublime spiritual friends even more than one's own body is the Bodhisattva's practice. What worldly god, himself also bound in the prison of sacred existence, is able to protect others. Therefore, when, the ref when refuge is sought, taking refuge in the undeceiving triple gem is the Bodhisattva's practice. 
Great. So you just want to chat on that? Or? Yeah, uh, so I think that a lot of what we talked about with, with all four of these is this idea that there is um, sort of these, these physical things and then sort of the inner consciousness, so to speak, and the ways in which um, you sort of um, want to limit the physical uh, ailments, you mentioned poison, uh, mentioned evil companions, and then the ways in which you want to surround yourself by, by people or, or things that sort of encourage sublime spiritual uh, and inner sort of uh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, and we were sort of talking about that idea of evil being sort of a judgmental uh, word and, and sort of thinking of it as uh, more about uh, attachment. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are the triple gems? The triple gems is uh, Buddha, Sangha, um, Dharma. Okay. So taking refuge, and that's the last one is taking, is actual taking refuge would be the last piece of our preparation, right? Reflecting on impermanence and taking refuge in the Sangha, so removing our, the, our friends uh, surrounded by like wrongdoing and then taking on spiritual friends. And then ultimately taking refuge in the, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. Right? So then we're, we're ready to go. So let's see where we're going. <laughs> so group four. So this is um, moving, moving us into part two. Um, into the main teachings. Okay. Yeah, so let's, so let's do group Group three. Oh. I mean, <laughs> let's do group four, which is eight through eleven. I'll get it. <laughs> or not. The subduer says that all the unbearable suffering of the three lower realms is the fruition of wrongdoing. Therefore, never committing negative deeds, even at the peril to one's life, is the only. The pleasure, number nine, the pleasure of the triple world, like a dewdrop on the tip of a blade of grass, is imperiled in a single moment. Striving for the supreme state of never changing liberation is the Bodhisattva practice. Number ten, when mothers who have been kind to one since beginningless time are suffering, what is the use of one's own happiness? Therefore, generating the mind of enlightenment in order to liberate limitless cynical beings is the Bodhisattva's practice. Number 11. All suffering, without exception, comes from wishing for one's own happiness. The perfect Buddhas arise from an altruistic mind, therefore, completely exchanging one's own happiness for the suffering of others is the Bodhisattva's practice. Um, okay, I hope we get it right. Um, no right or wrong. We're being tested on this. Absolutely. Uh, so, what I think what jumped out for all of us was 11, all suffering without exception comes from wishing for one's own happiness. Which seems a little, you know, who isn't wishing for that? And But if we look a little deeper at it, um, some of the things we came up with would be the striving for it, which may or may not be helpful. So if I'm 
going on vacation, I've taken time off of work, I've spent money, and you know, therefore I'm on vacation, I'm gonna have a good time. But I can't really guarantee that. Like, there's no guarantee of that mm -hmm. just because I surrounded myself with all this stuff. And that striving for that may indeed be creating the tension that would uh, not allow me to enjoy myself and the expectation that I should. Or we brought up anniversaries or birthdays or some kind of celebration where, you know, this is my time, I'm gonna have a good time. So on, on one level, just very practically, we kind of see that. We also, you know, the second part, therefore completely exchanging one's own happiness for the suffering of others. That didn't immediately jump out at anyone here, but when we discussed it a little bit, if you, and, and I'm imagining that, you know, that these are translated and everything, but if you say, therefore, completely exchanging one's own striving for happiness, mm -hmm. because in the sense before, it was wishing for one's own happiness. So instead of striving for your own happiness, potentially helping others will get you out of that striving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what we kind of thought. That's great. So it's a perfect one to unpack. Um, and, you know, I think it could be worded a, a slightly different of you know, striving for your own happiness and the happiness of, of others. Um, that's getting into some real, real deep bodhisattva practices. And again, too, from this culture, they don't deal with um, like the self-loathing that we do, the, the self-criticism that we do. You know, there's a famous story of the Dalai Lama crying one of the times, the first times that he was here, because someone said, well, what about self-love? And, and he couldn't even understand that no one had self-love. He's like, well, of course you have that. And then you have to benefit others. And in particular, when they're talking about exchanging oneself for others, that's actually talking about Tonglen specifically. So Tonglen is, a, is an actual practice of taking on, uh, it's called taking and giving, so taking on the suffering of others and giving back happiness. We could even do Tonglen for ourselves, right? But what's really happening there, so you've actually crossed through quite a few things just in those few verses, which we're going from different vehicles of, of attainment. So we're going from the first one, the first path of just doing good ethics, right? Like if we can't, they say, if we can't understand the higher teachings, then just be good. So like number eight, you know, um, is the fruition uh, all wrong? Oh, all suffering of the three lower realms, you know, is the fruition of wrongdoing. So it's just like, if if we can't do anything else, just be ethical, right? This is path number one. And then the medium, they call it like the medium vehicle, um, uh, is is to look at um, at least striving for for liberation, right? So setting the intention, like we're like relative bodhicitta. We can't understand it yet but we're setting the intention. And then moving into um, this application of it. So this is the actual practice. So we set the intention, if we, even if we can't do the practice, we say, oh, I just really aspire to be able to be kind, right? And then moving into the last one, the, the application of that is doing something like a Tonglen practice where you visualize the suffering like smoke arising from somebody who's suffering, you take that into your body, you transform it into light, and you give it back. Mm. So this would be an actual practice of it, right? So now you're moving into um, the practice realm. Okay. What are the three lower realms? 
we don't really need it's uh, so it's like three three hell realms, like the lower realms of of, of existence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you wanna, you know, hell is right here. Mm -hmm. You know, heaven's right here. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a state of mind. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, for the sake of of describing things, they'll say that in the six realms. There's there's heaven realms. Uh, you know, God realms, and and then the lower realms. And to better, to better understand Tong Glen, Pema Children has a great YouTube on Tong Glen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've, really we've it. shared it. Um, I could share it again. We, we've shared PDF, and yeah, if you Google, um, Pema Children's comes up like on YouTube. And Tong Glen's a really simple, very, very, very powerful practice. Um, and I think if you scroll down the Facebook feed, it's on there somewhere, okay. I would think. Okay, wonderful. Group whatever, the one over there. <laughs> with, with 12, 13, 14, and 15. I think so it's 12 is even if others, influenced by great desire, steal all one's wealth or have it stolen, dedicating to them one's body, possessions, and virtues accumulated in the three times is the Bodhisattva's practice. 13. Even if others cut off one's head when one is utterly blameless, taking upon oneself all their negative deeds by the power of compassion is the bodhisattva's practice. <laughs> 14. Even if someone broadcasts throughout the billion worlds all sorts of offensive remarks about one, speaking in turn of that person's qualities with a loving mind is the bodhisattva's practice. And 15. Even if, in the midst of a public gathering, someone exposes faults and speaks ill of one, humbly paying homage to that person, perceiving him as a spiritual friend, is the bodhisattva's practice. Yeah, so that was, <laughs> that was very intense. And we were like, wow, that seems hard. Um, and then we talked about how um, you could do that maybe in small ways, and that, of course, it, it is a practice. Um, we um, read those things as figurative, mm -hmm. um, you know, cutting off one's head, etc. Um, or even stealing one's wealth could be, you know, we are talking about like the, the mass shooting, it's like mm -hmm. taking people's family. Um, so we just said, you know, if, if you can do that, but obviously like now that we're going through it together, it's like you see progression. But mm -hmm. we didn't because we just went right yeah. to that. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I said I, I said that it was really hard for me to do this type of stuff. Um, but then I said, oh, I'm pretty good at not getting upset when I'm in the car, and, like having road rage. I'm pretty good at giving somebody the benefit of the doubt when they make mm -hmm. a mistake. Um, you guys want to add anything? So now we're moving into post meditation. So Tonglin would be like the formal practice. And so now we're moving into uh, how to lose loss on the path is number 12. How to use suffering on the path, number 13. How to use disgrace on the path, number 14. How to use disparagement on the path, number 15. Mm -hmm. So when we're actually feeling these things in life, and we're going through life, and how does a bodhisattva react to life, mm -hmm. to, to these things? like disgrace. How is one to react? So this is off the cushion day to day. So just like you're saying, like when we're really going through life and somebody 
You know, it says somebody broadcasts through the thousands world. Well, they might not broadcast through all millennia, but someone might talk bad about you at work, <laughs> right? And say, you know, so-and-so, I don't really think. And like, how do you respond to them, right? And it's maybe our formal, formal practice that gets us into that place in our heart where we could actually start softening to that point, where we could start to connect in that way to see everybody as these beings that are just trying the best that they can. But, and then how does that manifest in life, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Sure. Well, some, a long time ago when um, Bush won the presidency, I was in a church with Marianne Williamson. Mm. And she said, so we have a new president. Let us pray. <laughs> you know? And it's kind of like what you were saying. I mean, she said it tongue-in-cheek and we kind of laughed. But it's also like with um, like all these um, examples where we could put it into practice where it's really, really hard, but like the mass shooter yeah. and or, you know, Trump or, you know, the people that really show up like, you know, like, what? You know, like those people. And then to like get that, that it lives in you, and then to do that practice is is very sophisticated. I, I'm not there yet, you know. Yeah. But it, we have lots of places where we can practice that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> lots of places. Okay, so um, group five. We had 18 through 21, so I don't know who had 16 and 17. Yeah, I know. We, we, we skipped those. We skipped those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They were 16 and 17. They're how to use uh, being wronged and return to kindness. 17, how to use humiliation on the path. So we have, you can practice that in daily life all the time. <laughs> so 18, though, one may have an impoverished life, always be disparaged by others, afflicted by dangerous illness and evil spirits. To be without discouragement and to take upon oneself all the misdeeds and suffering of beings is the Bodhisattva's practice. Though one may be famous and revered by many people or gain wealth like that of Vaishravana, having realized that worldly fortune is without essence, to be unconceited is the Bodhisattva's practice. 20. If outer foes are destroyed while not subduing the enemy of one's own hatred, enemies will only increase. Therefore, subduing one's own mind with the army of love and compassion is the Bodhisattva's practice. 21. However much sense pleasures are enjoyed, as when drinking salt water, craving still increases. Immediately abandoning whatever things give rise to clinging and attachment is the Bodhisattva's practice. The light reading for us. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, so we we got some we got some good ones. Um, yeah. Obviously, um, yeah, twenty was the one that we probably talked about the most, and uh, you know about hatred beginning hatred, and mm-hmm. um, you know trying to to come at things. You know, we, we talk about Facebook and how getting on there can be a, a death spiral. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing everything people spew on there and, and yeah. all, all of the hatred that comes out of that. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for ourselves to, to focus on love and compassion as opposed to hatred. Um, you know, and, and 21 is, uh, it was, I think, also a big one for us. And, you know, looking at clinging and attachment and uh, always striving 
for the next thing. Um, right. To, um, you know, as soon as you accomplish or, or obtain one pleasure, then you're out looking for the yeah. next one. And it's never so that's set two, it's continuing a, a continuation of off the cushion practice, right? And so 18, how to use um, deprivation, I guess I say, to be deprived? Deprivation, deprivation. deprivation. yeah, sorry. De deprivation on the path, how to use prosperity on the path, 19. How to use objects of hatred on the path, so how do we convert them? 21, how to use objects of desire on the path. So we could always move back to these when we're like, wow, I really am going through this. You know, what is like the pith teaching of that? Um, so we're doing pretty, pretty good on time. Just keep it moving along. <coughs> I know this is quite ambitious to kind of go through just this part of it. Um, I want to give it a try. <laughs> um, okay, so group six. six. Uh, um, so 22, 23, 24. Okay. Appearances are one's own mind. From the beginning, mind's nature is free from the extremes of elaboration. Knowing this, not to engage the mind in subject-object duality is the Bodhidharma's mm -hmm. practice. 23. When encountering pleasing sense objects, through though they may appear beautiful like a rainbow in summertime, not to regard them as real and to abandon clean attachment is the bodhisattva practice. Diverse sufferings are like the death of a child in a dream. By apprehending illusory experiences as real, one becomes weary. Therefore, when encountering disagreeable circumstances, viewing them as illusory is the bodhisattva's practice. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to go ahead and take this one. Um, just because, um, so now we just moved into the second piece, uh, part part two of part two. We just moved into ultimate bodhicitta. We just moved into ultimate truth. So everything before that was relative truth, duality, good and bad, right? So we just crossed over into ultimate truth, which is everything is, we call it oneness, right? Everything is fullness. Everything is oneness. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the term. There's really no direct way to translate this, so we have to use it in Buddhism. Um, it's emptiness. It just means no thingness, no label. It's labelless. It doesn't mean it, it's non-existence. Uh, it just means no thing. There's no thing to label on this, right? So this gets very. So when they're talking about viewing all things as not not real, they're saying they're, everything's like imputed, but everything is essence love. Right? I love Sokin Ruche calls everything essence love. Everything's essence love. We attach good, bad, and different, male, female, small, large, all those things. All of that's relative. What we mean by that is that it's relative to something else. It's not inherently existing from its own side. You know, you can't have number three without the number two and the number four, right? It's dependent arising. Everything is dependent upon something that to arise, right? So this is getting to the very depths, and, and being that when we could be here in, in ultimate bodhicitta, it's an experience, right? Because it can't be a cognitive, conceptual idea of something. So this is where we're training to be. We're training on being love until we realize we are it, that everything is it. So it crosses that border, right, into like an experience. So we pray for that experience, right? And so that's 
Now we're moving into ultimate truth. But just one thing that we talked about with this with the subject object, what we talked about was this, this separateness. So we're learning this concept of real truth, but there's this separateness between what we see and what you know we're and that there's suffering in that, and there could be some disillusionment in that. Yes. And that's sort of the next path in how we how do we address the separateness of that? Right. Perceived separateness. Right. Perceived right. separateness. And so even, even when we're looking in the basic meditation, no attachment, no aversion, being with everything as it is, not imputing anything onto it, watching everything arise just as it is, we're, we're allowing ourselves to be in a, in a space where insight could actually happen, right? where the experience of non-duality can arise where the separateness could, could leave. Because even the separateness of what the, the perceiver and that which is being perceived, right? Where does that object even land in our awareness? Where does sound, sound actually, where is it experienced? And that which is experienced and that which is experiencing, where do those two interrelate, right? And we're experiencing that. Okay. So, group seven. All right, I'll begin. 25. If it is necessary to give away even one's body while aspiring to enlightenment, what need is there to mention external objects? Therefore, practicing generosity without hope of reciprocation or positive karmic results is a bodhisattva's practice. 26. If lacking ethical conduct, one fails to achieve one's own purpose, the wish to accomplish others' purpose is laughable. Therefore, guarding <coughs> the weight of aspirations for worldly existence is the Bodhisattva's practice. The Bodhisattva's who desire the wealth and virtue, all those who do harm are like a precious treasure. Therefore, cultivating patience to avoid hostility is the Bodhisattva's practice. 28. Even hearers and solitary realizers who accomplish only their own welfare strive as if putting out a fire on their heads. Seeing this, taking up diligent effort, the source of good qualities for the sake of all beings is the Bodhisattva's practice. 29. Having understood that disturbing emotions are destroyed by insight, possessed with tranquil abiding, to cultivate meditative concentration that perfectly transcends the four formless absorptions is the Bodhisattva's practice. Three, if one lacks wisdom, it is impossible to attain perfect enlightenment through the other five perfections. Thus, cultivating skillful means with the wisdom that does not discriminate among the three spheres is the Bodhisattva's practice. So who, who can guess what that block of teachings, what's that block of teachings? Intention. Intention. What's in your intention? I, when they talked about ethics and sort of, well, if you, if you fail to achieve your own purpose, the wish to accomplish others' purposes, you have to have integrity. And yes, yeah. And there's, there's an actual a set of teachings. These are called the six perfections. So the, the six perfections is a is a, um, a a solid piece of the bodhisattva practice. So this is going through them. 
So you're right, so generosity is 26, 27 is patience, 28 is diligence, 29 is concentration, 30 is wisdom. And 25 is the introduction of training in the, in the six transcendent perfections. So we want to be reminded of the six perfections. So these are the six perfections of, of a bodhisattva outlined in Shantideva's Bodhisattva's Guide um, to a Bodhisattva Life. Is that again? That's what, that's what you were saying. So yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Ready for grouping? We're ready. Okay. <clears throat> 31. If, having merely the appearance of a practitioner, one does not investigate one's own mistakes, it is possible to act contrary to the Dharma. Therefore, constantly examining one's own errors and abandoning them is the Bodhisattva's practice. 32. If, influenced by disturbing emotions, one points out another bodhisattva's faults, oneself is diminished. Therefore, not speaking about the faults of those who have entered the great vehicle is the bodhisattva's practice. 33. Because the influence of gain and respect causes quarreling and the decline of the activities of listening, pondering, and meditation, to abandon attachment to the households of friends, relations, and benefactors is the bodhisattva's practice. 34. Because harsh words disturb others' minds and cause the bodhisattva's conduct to deteriorate, abandoning harsh speech that is unpleasant to others is the bodhisattva's practice. So easy. No problem. Yeah, you said right speech. Yeah, right speech. It's um, about letting go and um, humility, just kind of um, reminding ourselves that if we make a mistake, that it's just part of being human. Mm -hmm. So don't hold on to, I'm perfect. So Because if you do, that's kind of holding on to being prideful and holding on to this like false image of whatever title we may have. And so if we are aware that we are angry or that our ego is being affected and then we let it go, then it stops us from going on to the other, uh, the other parts, which is if we're not aware, then we're more likely to lash out at someone or to project our feelings onto somebody else. So all of that can be kind of avoided if we just kind of just kind of stop and just you know practice right right speech. Wonderful. Thank you. So uh, so there's a few more, right, where you could read on your own um, training and accomplishment the good uh, using mindfulness and vigilance, um, and also dedicating the merit. Um, so, you know, this, this teaching comes, like one of the forms that comes in, uh, I've tried to get this before, but this is from Garchin Rinpoche Center in Arizona. 
when I was there, they would hand these out. And believe it or not, they're all right in here. Um, and they're just, it's a beautiful practice to read every day. Like once you, you meditate on certain aspects of these extremely deeply, right? Like I mentioned, the whole path is in, I mean, impermanence is in here, everything's in here. And then when you read it, let's say if you only have five minutes, you wake up and you could just read your bodhisattva practices and just kind of get a hit of that, get the pith essence of that and being able to carry that with you throughout the day. So thank you so much for, for being open to try something new and different. And even though that was a lot to do in that amount of time, it's 11.33. Like, that's like not bad. So thank you so much um, for that. Um, maybe let's just end with a little meditation together. Just for a minute or so. Bodhisattva is wanting to attain enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. When we cook for food for ourselves, we cook food so we can sustain our bodies, so we could be of service to ourselves and others. When we go to work, we can go to work with the Bodhisattva intention. We, may we get shelter and food sustainability for our life so we could be of service to ourselves and others. So thinking of all of our brothers and sisters that cannot be here with us today, they're too caught up in life, it's all the beings out there. There's still so many suffering from the recent tragedies, holding them in our hearts, holding our entire country in our hearts. May we all finally realize experientially that this notion of separation is a lie. And then finally, once again, just sending gratitude and thankfulness to all the fathers out there. No matter what physical gender, those that, that, that have played that role for us in this life. And may we all be blessed by the energy of Chen Rezig, Kuan Yin, May we all realize that the Buddha of compassion actually lies right in our own hearts. Om Mani Padme Om. Thank you all very, very, very much. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.